Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Dr. Christopher Norton, DDS, who graduated from Southern Methodist University with his undergraduate degree in chemistry. He then went on to attend Baylor University, where he earned his doctorate of dental surgery. Dr. Norton has been utilizing the Myobrace system for over 10 years and has recently opened the first Myofunctional Orthodontic Center and TMJ BDS Treatment Center in Ontario, California, just outside of the Ontario Mills Mall. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Ellie, for having me. Absolutely. So I just want to jump right on in and find out, you know, more about Myobrace. What is it and why would we use it? Well, it started uh, many years ago, uh, back in the late 90s uh, in Australia by a guy named Dr. Chris Farrell. He was treating uh, TMJ adult patients and needed something that would work for them. Uh, and he knew what caused it. It was caused by soft tissue dysfunction. And so we kind of divide, de- designed this little appliance, a simple little appliance, and, uh, and he used it in his, for his adult TMJ patients. He started saying, well, uh, you know, this is the end stage. Why don't I go ahead and start where the disease starts? So he started uh, doing it with kids. And uh, about 2001, I picked up uh, uh, his appliance. So at the time, there was just two. It was a trainer for braces and a trainer for kids. And I used it in my son, who was a class three patient, which means that he had to wait till he's about 25 years old and have surgery. Mm. And uh, I said, I didn't want to wait. And so I was looking proactively for something to treat him. And I came across this and uh, I treated him. We got him out of class three, no surgery. Um, and he's never worn a retainer since. So uh, wow. this is what's made a big deal. So my brace is, uh, uh, was started very simply with two appliances. Now there's over 50 of them. There's soft ones that are made out of surgical grade silicone. There's stiff ones that are made out of polyurethane. They're all made with uh, vegetable dye, dyes, so they're, they don't off-gas, and they're very, very non-toxic. So what we do is we use this appliance, and we combine it with two things, some Buteco breathing techniques, which is kind of a converting mouth breathing to nasal breathing. So it's a, a nasal breathing technique and a decreased tidal volume technique. So we're decreasing the amount of air that we take in. We combine it with the myofunctional therapy, which I'm sure you well, and your uh, listeners are well aware of. So we use it for the myofunctional therapy for soft tissue dysfunction. So we put these uh, two things together with the appliance and we have kind of a system involved that works very well for us. Very cool. And so how young, I know you mentioned that you've got them for some younger kids now. Yep. Um, how young do you guys start Myobrace? Uh, again, we kind of believe in you. You start about nine months before the kid's born, uh, mm-hmm. kind, of pre- kind of preaching uh, breastfeeding mm-hmm. uh, and the importance. And then uh, once they get out of the womb, then we've got a, what we call a myo-chew, which is kind of a quadrant shape of a myo-munchie. So we will do that at teething. Um, and it also uses the muscles of mastication and gets it going. So, uh, so we can start as early as can be. Uh, as soon as you have enough attention, we can start 
jump into like a little infant trainer. If they can give us like 10 minutes of attention, we have what we call an infant trainer. And, uh, and that's usually the two, three, four-year-olds or somebody that's trying to get off a pacifier or, uh, you know, the, the binky or something like that. We use it then to try to transition them off of uh, non-nutritive sucking. Then as we get a little bit more uh, in there, about like maybe four or five, where you can really get some some compliance with the child and maybe get 30 minutes and we jump into our J series. So we have a J series that's just for uh, primary dentition. We jump up next to a K series, which is our kid series, and it's for kind of a mixed dentition. Uh, next up would be our teen series, and it's kind of our largest one. So it's, uh, again, for teens. We have one for adults. We have one for class three. We have some for exercising. Uh, so, again, we can kind of get somebody from, you know, right after they're born all the way up to their maybe 83. Okay. And, and I know that some people are like, well, how are you getting these younger kids to use them? So you're saying you need at least 10 minutes of attention um, for, like, a two-year-old, for example, to be able to trainer and you find it so our infant trainer is like a little tether like you see these binkies that are tethered so we'll tether it to them and uh we just kind of put it in their mouth quite often uh and hopefully getting about 10 minutes out of it uh you know a two three-year-old they kind of like you know i don't know who it is at the time it could be barney or paw patrol or whatever uh if they can sit down and watch 10 or 15 minutes at a time that's a perfect time to put it in or if they like playing with a, a video game for a younger child, if they're sitting down playing the video game, that's when we say, okay, you can play your video game if you can put this in while you use it. So again, most kids this age, they love their, to put stuff in their mouth. And so this is kind of uh, not that intrusive. So again, so I'm not having too much trouble getting stuff in people's mouth. Uh, keeping it there for a long period of time is the harder thing. That's where you get into compliance. Mm-hmm. And so are any of these appliances more permanent or are they all something that you put in and take out after a certain period of time? The only thing that we have that I would say is permanent is uh, when we're working on like cross bites or class threes, we'll do some little bondings on teeth that are, they're removable. So they're not permanent. They're, they're in there for the time being, but can be removed without damaging any of the tissues. Um, and these little things we call them myolite, they're little wedgies that sit on people's teeth to try to direct the growth in the way that we want them to grow. Uh, either class two, we want the jaw forward, class three, we want the maxilla, maxilla forward. But those are the only things that are permanent. Everything else that I can think of is removable, except for one more thing. We have a BWS series where we're trying to do some expansion. And it's about a three-month deal where we're trying to ex- expand the, uh, the upper jaw. And, uh, and we do it some month or lower jaw too. So those are the only things that are really, truly fixed. Everything else is removable. Well, I'm curious because I actually wear a DNA myself, um, mm-hmm. which is removable, which is nice, but the, that BWS expansion. So who is a good candidate for that? Basically, you, you need the tongue and the roof of the mouth to get the jaw to grow. Mm-hmm. So usually before eight years old, you can get the tongue up in the roof of the mouth. Once they hit about nine, uh, if the upper jaw is too narrow, the tongue won't fit. Those are the people you need expansion on. So about age nine on, you're really just trying to use the expansion as a way to get room for the tongue to fit up there. Once the tongue fits up there, you don't need the expansion anymore. The tongue takes over and does the job for you. Okay. Um, and so then what would you say is a difference aside from, it sounds like some of these may be faster in mm-hmm. expansion wise, or it may be faster um, in some of the other programs out there, like the ALF, for example, or even the DNA that I'm using. Yeah. Um, yeah, are you familiar with like the differences between your system as compared to those or Healthy Start? 
there's a big difference between all those. An ALF is really just an expansion technique, and I love the ALF, and we can use that instead of our BWS system. What's nice about the ALF is we can put our myobrace on top of the ALF, so you can start to get expansion and get rid of the soft tissue dysfunction all at the same time. The problem with the ALF is that, to me, it costs between $250 and $350 of a lab bill. Um, so we'd like to use the RBWS, which stands for bent wire system, because it cost us about like $26 or $28 to be okay. able to put it together. But it's really kind of the same thing. Now, the ALF is trying to push on the teeth in a very light sense, so it doesn't really make any necrosis in the bone. And that's what the ALF is doing. So ALF is only really just expanding the jaw. It has no way to get the tongue up there. There's no any way to correct mentalis. There's no soft tissue correction in an ALF. The, the healthy start, which is just uh, orthotane, uh, they're just kind of clenching. So again, when you do this, there really is no soft tissue dysfunction correction whatsoever. Uh, whereas, so I don't really think myobrace compares to either one of those two at all uh, because myobrace is, uh, again, addressing uh, the soft tissues of function, the, using the muscles, the facial expression to swallow it's it's really getting down to the biology of what's causing it in the first place. So, uh, I mean, it also promotes nasal breathing over mouth breathing. We have nutritional videos. Uh, we're trying to really hit every single aspect of what's causing the biological dysfunction that's going on. We're, and we've got research out the wazoo to prove it. Uh, if you go to like Healthy Start, I don't really think they have any soft tissue dysfunction. They've now put a tissue tag, which is kind of a copy of us, uh, on theirs. But really, you're clenching. And then when you're clenching, you know, you're not doing your TMJ much good as you're, you know, you're really pushing your condyle into the disc, into the fossa. And again, that's correction is coming from the appliance and the pressure that you're putting on it. Whereas myobrace is really just to get the tongue up there and let, you know, kind of restore what should have been going on uh, from the very start, which is uh, the, you know, the breastfeeding, which gets you to swallow right away with the peristaltic movements of the tongue and the roof of the mouth and breathing through the nose. Um, this is not really happening with any of those other appliances or systems that you're mentioning. But with the myobrace, that's what we're striving for. Um, that's very helpful. Thank you. And so how then does it fit or where does the myofunctional component kind of start to play into your system? You know, the myobrace systems, it sounds like it's a very important component. Um, oh, it's super important. Um, if I gave everybody a myobrace and I told them to use it, I might get maybe 20 or 25% actual, uh, you know, good therapy. Okay. So if, if I can, combine that with my functional therapy, my cure rate or my success rate goes up into the high, high to mid eighties. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things that they, they have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might get lucky every once in a while without, with using uh, the mild brace without the myofunctional therapy, but really to get the best results, they go hand in hand. Okay. And then the buteco breathing part is, is important too. Absolutely. Um, and so I think I understand you guys have an app. Is that right? With myofunctional exercises in it? Or what is that? that Yeah, we do. Uh, We found that uh, children learn best. The modern kid learns best, unfortunately, from videos (laughs) than they do from somebody sitting down talking with them. We found that they learn better if they have videos with an instructor next to them on their level, their same eye level, and asking them questions afterwards for Mm. retention. So the best way to really get some child to learn is to have them learn from the app with an instructor 
down on eye level, down on their level, asking them questions, making sure they're, uh, they can get the uh, exercises complete. And then they can go home and use the app again uh, uh, daily, four minutes in the morning, four minutes in the afternoon to reinforce it. So, again, the kids are learning best from the app. So our app is kind of what uh, basically a myofunctional therapist would use. Um, We've got a breathing. The first part is breathing. So breathing, we've got light breathing awareness. We've got paces. We've got nose clearing. Uh, then we go into the tongue and, you know, the tongue has minds of its own, so it needs more exercises. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, our tongue resting position, uh, tongue clicks, uh, our tongue suction hold, surfboard tongue, fat tongue, skinny tongue, tongue tip ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, then from once we got that, and again, we're, our app runs this, you have to get through breathing to get to tongue. So everything kind of builds on itself. So you can't do tongue tip ups unless you can do tongue suction holds. So it kind of goes from there. Next up we have swallow. So we have uh, a myobrace swallow where they're trying to swallow their myobrace in. We've got funny face swallow, correct swallow, drinking swallow, tongue cup, water seal. Then we go into lips and cheeks. So we have a lip trainer. We do lip pops. We do puffer fish. Then we have 10 nutritional videos after that. Hmm. So through the app, it kind of runs them through the system and sometimes we'll move the lip trainer for if we have incompetent lips and we move the lip lip training much earlier okay uh, so to, be, to begin with mm-hmm. so our app kind of runs through the exact same sequence that a myofunctional therapist might use but it throws a few more breathing techniques in there and the, the therapist might use quite a few more exercises than what we've done we've kind of pared it down to what we think we need uh, to, to keep it simple uh, philosophy mm-hmm. to it Mm-hmm. And again, what I think is really good about this is that when a myofunctional therapist is working, the the child that, or the person, the patient, is pretty much in conscious mode. In other words, they're using their conscious brain to process it. And it takes a while to get them in their conscious mode to slip it into their subconscious mode. So we need to change neural pathways. We need to have a different nerve running to our genoglossus muscles where we have a tongue swallow rather than our facial, the, the, the mid-facial nerve that runs to our muscles of facial expression. What's nice about the myobrace is that they can wear it while they're paying attention to Xbox or to a TV show or to their phone or to the iPad, which is when their subconscious brain is dealing with their swallow. Mm. So this is what I think is very, very good, is that we can work on their neural pathway and their swallowing at a time when they're really their conscious brain is working on other problems. Their subconscious brain is having to process this different neural pathway and activating different muscles and deactivating other muscles at the time. So um, the the app, the biobrace has certain advantages, I think, Uh, you know, it's certainly a myofunctional therapist can get there and does, and that's who we modeled this after. Uh, but there's certain advantages to be able to have the app, to have the appliance that's able to, to kind of scale it down a little bit. So we don't have quite as many exercises as you're used to, but we seem to get some pretty good results. Okay. But it also sounds like you're not just handing over the app and going, okay, hey, here's your Myo program. Go do this. You have yeah. them kind of pairing yeah. up with a myofunctional therapist and then they're kind yeah. of driving that yeah. That car, so to say. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, they asked orthodontists why they don't, don't put myofunctional therapy in their offices. And, mm-hmm. and I've got, I could show you that basically it's, you know, really funny that they don't use it. Uh, 
But again, how many dentists really know what myofunctional therapy is? And of the dentists that know what myofunctional therapy is, how many of them have a myofunctional therapist nearby? Mm-hmm. Um, I work in West Texas, and I just got my very first myofunctional therapist who was a, a hygienist that was uh, burning out that had come over to have ortho with me, and I started teaching her what was going wrong with her, and she jumped on it, and she now become a myofunctional therapist. So I've got my first one within a 200-mile radius. Mm-hmm. What's nice about this system is that we can take somebody that maybe might not be a speech therapist or might not be a hygienist, uh, and we can give them – uh, training along with the app to be able to what we call an, become an educator. So the educator along with the app and a lot of training is the one that really does this. Much like a dental hygienist will handle the hygiene program, we have an educator that uses the app that is really doing the soft tissue dysfunction therapy in, in our systems. Are there any like specific qualifications for somebody become, to become that educator? Because I don't know if you've been in the Facebook groups like I have or how much you hang out with myofunctional therapists, but yep. if there's a big uproar in the community over, you know, just anybody being trained and becoming a myofunctional therapist and it being in the scope yes. of practice of, you know, oh, some people versus know. not. And what's uh, your take I'm, on that? I'm very familiar with the IAOMT and the, and the speech therapist versus the hygienist. And, and I was, uh, my first oral my, my functional therapist was lady named Karen Samuels. And she, unfortunately she had a stroke, but she was excellent. She had, she was a dental hygienist. She had had uh, double jaw surgery, MMA mm-hmm. surgery twice and failed two times. Wow. So you, she was a very strong advocate mm-hmm. for this and she crossed both lines. She's, she knew as much as the, uh, the speech therapist. She was really on this and, uh, and so I was lucky that I had her to begin with because she trained my butt and, uh, <laughs> and, and I learned quite a bit. And so uh, I, I do know that this might rile you a little bit, but uh, we, for an educators, we're looking for somebody that's got good communication skills, somebody that can communicate on the level of a child and communicate on the level of an adult. And sometimes you have to talk like a child to the adults and sometimes you have to talk like an adult to the children. But we're looking for somebody. So we've had uh, quite a few hygienists that – have carpal tunnel or, or, you know, after you do hygiene for a while, there's just really no place for you to go. So a lot of them have jumped on. Mm -hmm. Some of our educators are patients, mothers that have seen the, you know, a lot of changes in their child. I would love to have a speech therapist on board. Uh, I would love to have a, a, a dental hygienist on board, but they're not always available to every dental practice. So we have, we have educators, and our educators, we do have a training system here in, the, uh, in North America, and we actually have a three- or four-day course uh, after they've done studies. So we're not picking up from zero. We, they have to have a lot of uh, information first and have done a lot of treatment first, and then we go ahead and, and train them from there. So we have our own certification program mm-hmm. for our educators. Okay. So uh, you know the educators, along with the app, uh, are are doing a very 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 good job, but you know if you give me my choice, I would much rather have an MFT running my program. And some of the best people uh, that lecture with me would have them. Of course, a couple of people are married to them, so mm-hmm. you know they they've got them up by a chain and they're lucky. And uh, those people know people, so people in big cities uh, they're really good. I live in more of a rural area. Uh, and, you know, we just don't have uh, availability. Like we have one high in school uh, that services about a 500-mile radius. Mm. Uh, and, you know, speech therapist, uh, 
not a lot of them are uh, are on to this. They're still doing their pretty much conservative speech therapy and quite can't quite understand why the kids can't make th sounds or s sounds or t sounds. Sure. And their jaw, you know, the upper jaws are about as big as the you know the patient's thumb. Mm-hmm. So, in our system, we do have educators. We try to educate the educators. We try to let the the dentists know that they need to pick a very good educator. But that's how the, our system works. Okay. Um, yeah, and you, you brought up a good thing, a good point initially. So, um, you know, I I actually love working with our our RDHs that are also myofunctional therapists because they offer a whole different perspective than what I have from my background. And so, I've being in the DC metro area, I've been very thankful to have a team locally that we've you know developed and. I've got some RDHs that I refer to and they refer to me and I've got a dentist that we refer to and an oral surgeon and yada, yada, yada. Um, But yes, it's even here in a big metro area. While I think myofunctional therapy is growing, it's still, I just got off the phone with a teacher of a four-year-old who said, well, how did he go so long before he was identified? And I said, Oh, but he's only, he's only four. I mean, I'm surprised you're even saying that because yes, I agree with you, but to hear a teacher say that, I'm like, okay, well, we're getting somewhere if they think this is long because I also work with adults. So they've gone their whole life without being diagnosed, but yes. The the real problem is that the teacher knows more than most dentists or most pediatricians or most nurse practitioners, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the bad part of it. Yeah. You know, we've got this piece of tissue that sits in between the neurologist and the ENT mm-hmm. that belongs to the dentist and, mm-hmm. and to, you know, and the speech therapist and, you know, speech therapists are kind of working from, you know, say the dorsum of the tongue backwards, the hygienists are working from the, you know, the, the, the myofunctional therapists are working from the dorsum of the tongue forward, you know, and we just, you know, we just all don't get along, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, you know, I guess the tribalism goes all the way down to, to us, but I'm glad in the DC area that y'all are getting along because there's a lot of people in DC that don't get along right now. That, that on is the government true. Side. So, <laughs> that is true. Well, so. and in our, you know, it is true that we are still looking for an ENT. We found a really good one in the Virginia area, but I cannot find an ENT in Maryland or DC that is airway centric, which just seems like a yeah. funny thing to say out loud because by definition, shouldn't be an ENT be airway centric, but yeah. we'll leave that there. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, I, I wonder though for your program, um, because I know RDH is for for example, can kind of take off their RDH hat and then they can practice the myofunctional therapy. And so they could do it virtually. And I think they could work with anybody anywhere. Whereas like me as a speech pathologist, because it's part of my scope and my licensure, I have to have a license in every single state that I would want to virtually provide myofunctional therapy. And so I am licensed in DC and Maryland and I have a team in Virginia as well. And, you know, we're, we're throughout here, but I think there's it's harder for the speech pathologist to pick up one client over in this state because we then have to get an annual license and, you know, it becomes very costly if you then get licensed in the entire U.S., um, whereas the RDHs, I think, have yeah. a little bit more free reign on that. So have you guys ever considered or have you worked with anybody who does like virtual myofunctional therapy that could provide your program? Um, we haven't. Uh, I mean, it's been a thought. We do. Uh, we have educators on staff here that do podcasts mm-hmm. for free to uh to educators or to other people learning it. Mm. Uh, but as far as like getting actual down to a patient that's far away, we do do some, we just opened up a clinic here in Ontario, California, and we'll Skype with our kids because we're the only person doing it for a long time. We have people that drive two to three hours in mm. LA traffic. You know, that's not very cool. Yeah. So we'll have them come in from time to time, uh, but we'll do some Skyping with them as well. I do remember Karen Samuels, the, 
my very first oral, uh, my functional therapist, she would have two cards, one that said MFT and one that said RDH. And she would not put her RDH on her MFT. Correct. So, uh, you know, it's, there's, you know, there's still a lot of political uh, stuff. I don't know if you could leave off your speech therapy credentials and just treat under not knowing. I mean, I think we, know, we run the risk of then um, being sanctioned by our state board and losing our state license if we do that. Uh, and so because it's part yeah. of our scope of practice. So I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that by default, what a lot of speech pathologists are kind of taught and kind of do is treating OMDs, we're treating our facial myofunctional disorders, but a lot of people have not been trained in myofunctional therapy as it's been come to, you know, the type of programs that are out there today. Um, so whether people realize it or call it that or not, I think some people are, are treating it. However, you know, cause there are a lot of us that have been doing feeding therapy and, um, you know, oral placement therapies and things like that talk tools and some of these other companies train on. Um, however, then there's the other cohort that you mentioned where they can't get the to- the tongue, well, they don't even realize that they're supposed to move the tongue to go up and out yeah, or this way yeah. or that way. And they can't yeah. figure out why they can't correct that list where they can't get the yeah. child to make a certain sound. And they're not looking to see if there's a tongue tie or to see if the palate is high and narrow or to see if the child yeah. is breathing properly or has an adequate airway. You know, they're, they're just not looking at those things like you mentioned. So, so it's an issue, but hopefully we're, we're moving in the right direction of uh, resolving yeah. that in the speech pathology world. I hope so, because you know, it, it's for the children's sake. I mean, we're pretty much in triage right now. Yeah. It is so widespread. The research that's coming out left and right is supporting us in such a great way. Once you start looking at sleep disordered breathing, uh, oh, gosh, uh, I, you know, there's so much research out there right now that is just downright crazy. Um, did you know that uh, if we look at a child who snores, they're four times more likely to be in the bottom 25% of their class. A child with sleep apnea is nine times more likely to be in the bottom 10% of the class. Mm-hmm. And that we're looking at 48% of the kids uh, that have a sleep study and they find out they have sleep apnea. They're already started on stimulants for ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's so crazy. I, I remember going into a classroom and hearing this child snoring and I said to the teachers, does she always sound like that? And they went, yeah. And then I talked to the parents and they were like, well, it's our first child. We, we didn't know this isn't normal. And I'm going, that's a problem. Like that is number one, the, you know, your child. Yes. Should, so now I'm trying to do a lot of educating on social media and just through what I'm doing, you know, mouth closed and you should not hear your child yeah. breathing. If you can hear them yeah. breathing, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always like to say you should breathe through your nose and eat food through your mouth. Mm-hmm. And they say, really? I said, yeah, would you put food up your nose? <laughs> you know, and the, the answer is no. Um, but like I said, we're in triage right now. And for us to sit here and be quivering over who does what, right. uh, I think it, it hurts the kids. The kids need almost anything they can get. And thank God for people like you who are doing these podcasts and trying to get the information out there. Uh, you know, it, it's it's certainly a, a very needed thing. I think we should all kind of uh, pull in our horns and think about the kid that doesn't have any therapist or any information uh, with his mouth hung open and breathes through his mouth all night long and the face looks distorted. Uh, they get uh, the flu four or five times a year. Uh, their tonsils look like, you know, big golf balls in the back of their mouth. Uh, so, I mean, and, and, you know, and parents don't know, and, you know, we don't find this stuff on what the doctors, that TV show that's on there. Uh, we don't see it on. I mean, I don't know why like Oprah Winfrey wouldn't have something like this. Uh, 
you know, it, I don't know why we're not sexy enough to get out there with this type of information, but uh, you know, there's certainly, uh, when you start looking at this stuff, it's certainly affecting our, our kids and, uh, and it's, it's growing across the, you know, across all ponds. It's all over the world. Uh, Myobrace is doing very, very well in, uh, like in China. Uh, those people are very competitive, uh, and they found out that uh, if you sleep with your mouth open, you lose about 5% of your general IQ a year up to 20%. And they're very competitive that they want to get into college. So it is very big deal in China wow. because they're worried about education. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing it kind of spread quickly in certain areas once the word gets out. But how do we get the word out in North America or you know, America to begin with. And like I said, we're sitting here doing podcasts when we should be, you know, on, you know, uh, you know, a mainstream live broadcast uh, doing this, or, or maybe our local news should have information on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be doing grand rounds in hospitals, but I know what you said about ENT. Mm-hmm. I've got this picture I show in my slides. It's uh, it's got this one dog nose up another dog's butt. And I said, this is what you do with your ENT. Once you find an ENT that gets it, you brown nose that guy until you take him turkeys at Thanksgiving, you give him cookies, you do whatever you need to do because you need that ENT. Uh, because if your therapy is not working and now you're outside of your, your scope, you're not in your little area of, you know, called the mouth and, uh, you know, now you need help. So you're right. An ENT, especially a pediatric ENT, mm-hmm. is worth their way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's funny because you would just think in this area that, and, and everyone who listens to this podcast knows, but I've taken my daughter to an ENT who I thought got it. I was told that he got it. And he looked at her tonsils that were enlarged and to me looked infected. And he, and he was like, I'm unimpressed. Those are his words. I am unimpressed by those tonsils. And then I took her to the dentist who put her into her ALF, into her ALF. And she said, your tonsils always look like that. Is she sick? Has she been sick? And I was like, I'm glad you're asking because I'm also concerned. And look, I don't want to put my kid through a surgery if I don't have to. However, I'm concerned about her breathing. And she does have a closed mouth posture and her speech is great, but her eating, she's, she's a picky eater and you know, it's yeah. impacting her chewing and she's got a high narrow palate and she had a tongue tie released it too. And you know, she's got the yeah. whole gamut. So it's one of those things where I'm just like, Oh, well, can't refer here because you know, really, <laughs> yeah. you, you really don't get it. And there's there's somebody else who I mentioned who's out in Virginia, and um, I want to go out and, and, and meet him, but he was referred to me by somebody I highly trust, so I'm very hopeful that this might be the guy, and he's going to become, <laughs> if he's not already extremely busy, he's going to become very busy when everybody realizes he's the That's guy just... serving Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, You know, we're lucky out here in California. We've got a guy named uh, Dr. Zaghi. Yeah, yep, I know. And so mm-hmm. we're very, very lucky because he's, like, spawning this large yes. swell of of, of ENTs that get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if you look at like Malampati, uh, this is one thing I'll send you on my link. Uh, you know, Malampati, how we score the, the, you know, how wide open the throat is. Yeah. One point increase in Malampati scores results in five additional HI events per hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, apnea hypopnea index. So that's, you know, on a child, one is considered pathologic. So as your Malampati scores increases, um, you, you're having, you're going from, you know, more and more and more uh, horrible sleep, and one point adds a twofold in chance for obstructive sleep apnea. That doesn't need, you know, you don't even have to look at airway or medical history or BMI. Uh, so the a malampati score, how big your tonsils are, is super, super important. Yeah. Uh, 
In yeah. fact, with kids sleep apnea, there's really only two things. Weight doesn't really come into it. It's really just facial features and tonsils. Those are the two things we look at when we're looking for sleep disorder breathing in kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm hopeful because she's already undergoing expansion. I'm hopeful that that's going to yeah. help resolve her case, but we, yeah. we are monitoring closely because she's, yeah. she's at a three. They're not touching, they're not kissing and they don't currently look infected, but she's at a three. And yeah. That is too, they, too large for my they, comfort. <laughs> They will not recede until she nasal breathes at night. She has and to be a nasal breather at night. She does sleep with her mouth closed. Whenever I go in and she check does. on her, she does. And we might yeah. have a camera on her. And so mm-hmm. I've, I've been very good at monitoring that, which that's why, you know, the ENT was like, oh, she sleeps with her mouth closed. She has an oral rest posture where her mouth is closed. And I'm not, you know, she's fine. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I think you might need to go in with a little mirror. Yeah. And. Put it under her nose and put it by her mouth and mm-hmm. make sure because they can fold you. All you have to do is have your mouth open just a tiny little bit. Okay. Uh, closer look. And so, again, that's that's where a lot of times with our myobrace, we're having them wear it at night as well. So part mm-hmm. of our therapy is, you know, wear it an hour a day and at night while you sleep. Mm-hmm. And when it's in there, it really makes you breathe through your nose only. Okay. And if you can keep it in all night, you know you've been 100% nasal breathing all night longer than mouth breathing. Hmm. Okay. I will try that. I have my tiny little mirrors yep. here behind me. <laughs> yep. And you can also, yeah. And what's great with the ALF is you can put a myobrace on top of an ALF mm-hmm. and uh, that could help you with the, you know, of course the, the, we have also, we have some more therapy that we do. We've got uh, something called a TLJ and TLP, which are uh, basically some exercise myobrace that exercises the lips, the tongue, uh, the pharyngeal muscles, which is where sleep apnea occurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got a, I mean, it's, we've had this out about a year and it's really just going great. You know, we've looked at myofunctional therapy and we know that myofunctional therapy can reduce AHI or apnea hypopnea index, 50% of adults and 62% kids. You know, if somebody plays a didgeridoo, an Australian wind instrument, uh, again, well, we'll reduce AHI about 50 to 62%. Yeah. We know that people who play double reed instruments in a orchestra mm-hmm. have very, very little sleep apnea of any. Uh, so we know that we can exercise ourselves off of sleep disorder breathing and we can do physiotherapy to reduce sleep apnea. And so options not to do CPAP, not to do mandibular advancement devices, which pull back on the maxilla, making your airway even more narrow as it, as it pushes against your maxilla and causing TMJ issues. So I, again, I'm all for, for that. And so uh, if she's having trouble, uh, you might you know, again, if she's nasal breathing at night, you should see their tonsils shrink mm-hmm. uh, with time. Hopefully, that's what I uh, what I see most of the time in my practice. Good, that's that's very helpful. Do you um, do you guys do any intake information on like eating habits or picky eating? And do you ever see any? If you do, do you ever see anything with that change? Well, you know, they don't like textures. If they can't, you know, the the gaggers and the texture sensitive people. Yeah. We've got a little thing called a TLP. And it looks like a Nike shock made out of silicone. And uh, we have them put it and press their lips together for about five nasal breaths. Then we have them push it inside the mouth and put the tip of the tongue on the spot, push on it for about again, five nasal breaths. And of course, when they're doing this, they can only breathe through their nose because their lips are together. They're pushing together. And then for our gaggers and our texture sensitive people, we have them put this back a little bit further, not to the point of the gag, but try to get down to the body of the tongue. So the body of the tongue is pushing up into the palate with this little, oh, this little uh, mild brace, again, five nasal breaths. And they just kind of work it for a little bit further back, a little bit further back, a little bit further back. And we seem to... It, does pretty well at getting rid of gagging and a lot of that texture sensitivity mm. kind of goes along soon after that. 
That's amazing. I, I also see when you gain control over your tongue and you can control the foods going into your mouth, the kids tend to be more adventurous. They tend to try more new things. You see the decrease in the gagging. We can move that gag reflex yeah. further back in the mouth. And exactly. You know, that's yeah. wonderful. And then there's, if you want to get way out there, there's people that believe in this fascia release too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, once you untie your tongue, you get this fascial release and mm-hmm. that helps as well. Yeah, I work with uh, a lot of tongue-tied kids, and some of them need a release. Not all of them do, and adults yeah, yeah. too, and babies even. And you know, I'm working with the whole the whole uh, babies through adults, the whole lifespan. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's amazing. Some of the kids who really really need that, you know, we try some of the therapy, and we've done other things, and it's amazing to see how quickly they can. I, I had one kid who went from eating less than ten foods to eating. 50 new foods in 30 days after his tongue tie was released because he, yeah. he was like, my tongue is free. I can move it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he was really well, the, restricted. The, the tongue moves the food throughout the mouth. Correct. And mm-hmm. so when, when, you know, they end up swallowing a lot of air, a lot of chunky pieces of food mm-hmm. and, you know, they get upset, uh, you know, stomachs because of it. Yep. But once the tongue is released, now the tongue can move the stuff and you can actually feel uh, stimulation in your palate. Uh, and you know, like it was supposed to be done from the first. So it makes total sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of awesome things. Is there anything else that you want to discuss or add um, related to any of the research that you all like to share? I've got probably about 70 on my slides. I'm going to send you about 70 research. Uh, and there's just little snippets out of it, and but uh, they're all probably documented. So why don't we just let your listeners kind of look over some of these slides Mm -hmm. and if they send more questions to you, then maybe we can get together and and, uh, do this again and and get down to some specifics. Sure. Uh, Sounds good. uh, I could also have you talk to our oral myofunctional therapist uh, who uh, her name is Kelly Baker Mm -hmm. and she would make a good, uh, a good interview as well because she was just uh, in New Orleans at the, I think IAOMT just Mm -hmm. this last past week. And, She's very, very, very well uh, educated, and, and, and you could bring up a lot more of your stuff with her, and she'd be able to to, to take it a little deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one IAOM conference that I, I wanted to go to. New Orleans sounded fun, but couldn't make it. So I would love to hear what she what her takeaways were from that. So I will um, reach out to her, and we'll include your slides in the show notes so that everybody is able to access those slides with all that research, because this is definitely one area where everyone's always going, we we need the research. Where's the research? You know, how, what's, yeah. what, you know, what's supporting what we're doing? And um, so yeah. the more research, the better. Yeah. I, you know, I, I will say that we were, we were willing partners. We're not, we're not snubbing our nose at anybody. We don't think we're better than anybody. We would love to work with anybody and everybody that would work with us. And I do know that uh, we do sell our myobrace to myofunctional therapists. Hmm. Uh, we've got uh, about six or seven of them that we will sell straight to a myofunctional therapist so they can have some of our myobraces and not have to go through the dentist. Now, are those speech pathologists or RDHs or does that not matter? No, it does not matter. A myofunctional okay. therapist can buy uh, about, there's about six or seven of our, our exercises, uh, one, that, are, that we're using the TLP, TLJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a trainer for adults and trainer for kids. We've got lip trainer. Got a mild chew. Well, there, there's six or seven appliances that we uh, that we make available to the myofunctional therapist without having to go through the dentist. And mm-hmm. we don't here. We don't. You know, myofunctional therapist is a myofunctional therapist. Doesn't matter if she, or it's dental speech or dental hygiene background. Doesn't make a bit of difference to us. Uh, but we can legally sell these uh, some of these appliances directly to them okay. without having you having to send your patients to the dentist to be able to have one delivered to you. 
So we've got some that we sell directly to you. Okay. So if somebody was interested in learning more about that, do they go to myobrace.com or and go to like a, yeah. okay. Exactly. Go to myobrace.com, myresearch.com. And in, in the slides, I think I put some more contact information uh, on one of the slides that you could use uh, as well. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. So I see that um, for parents and patients, you guys have myobrace.com. And then for professionals, I think, is it myofunctionalresearch.com? Just myoresearch.com. Myo okay. But, sure, but from myobrace.com, you can get to myoresearch.com. Okay. Well, thank you. That's fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, well, let's just see how this brews, and if if it if you have a good response, then let's do some more. But uh, or if anybody's interested, I'll be glad to come on and do some more with some more specific questions or anything like that. Or uh, we'll make available to you uh, Kelly Baker or or anything you need. You just let us know what you need, and we'll try to supply it for you. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you being so open and willing to take on all the questions from our listeners today. That um, that we kind of interwove into our uh, discussion and answer all my personal questions as well. Cause then I'm wondering, you know, what can I do for my daughter on top of her mm -hmm. ALF? Um, because of course being that myofunctional therapist mom, she likes to do certain things that she thinks is fun and playful, like suction her tongue to her palate. Yeah. But, you know, to sit down and actually get her to do Maya with me, she just turned four, is yeah. that's a whole other ball game. So I'm going, hmm, yeah. what other fun things could we pull in here that might make it more exciting? <laughs> yeah, they always like lip pops and tongue clicks. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they, like, they like to annoy you. Yeah, yeah. they, they but, play, um, what do they call it? Speecher is what they call it. My, my four-year-old calls it, we're playing speecher. And they take the mirror and they sit there and they click their tongue and they suction their tongue and <laughs> stick yeah. their tongue out and it's very cute <laughs> anything i can do just let me know i'll be glad to help all right well thank you so much again for joining us today and um it's been a pleasure having you on podcast. Kelly, thank you so much for doing your podcast thank you for getting the word out there absolutely thanks chris okay bye bye-bye Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can also also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.